We're in the final fall moeds, and together there are three moeds in the final fall season. And together they're called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, but we call it Tabernacles. The majority of the church does not understand this, does not know this, because our Gentile forefathers wanted to move the church as the church spread. Our Gentile forefathers wanted to move us away from our Jewish roots. And so they, they changed, actually, and left out portions of the Word of God. But I'm, I'm very grateful to see more and more people coming into the knowledge of God. Because, church, I, I haven't found it in the Word. I believe we will celebrate Passover Pentecost and Feast of Tabernacles, even in eternity. But I know Zechariah says we will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And I think it goes without saying we will the others as well. But let me say God has a calendar. Would you say that with me, please? God has a calendar want to share a little bit about that. He gives us revelation about his calendar. His calendar has moeds on it or appointed times, divine appointments. And church, they have divine purpose. The moeds, God's calendar, has divine purpose. Every moed is, to, is designed to accomplish a spiritual transaction. In other words, God is still working. Although God is eternal, he works in time. Every moed has a purpose. And every calendar season that a moed or a divine appointment comes around, there is a divine transaction or a spiritual purpose at that time for that moed. In other words, you don't ever have to wonder, do the moeds have meaning for my life? Trust me, there is a divine purpose for every moed. There is divine destiny being released with every moed. Every moed is designed to bring change into the life of the believer. In other words, when we enter a moed and we celebrate that moed, now we exit that moed, we are to be in faith that divine changes will take place in our life. Why is that important? Because none of us can accomplish our divine destiny in our own strength. God's will for our lives can only be accomplished supernaturally. And so we need moves of God in our life to move us forward in our divine destiny. Church, so many people live their life relatively static 
In other words, they pretty much stay the same. They pretty much do the same. They pretty much look the same. Are you with me, church? I mean, we may be getting older, but you understand what I'm saying. But you don't have to stay the same and keep doing the same things without making progress. You can go forward in God's divine destiny for your life. In other words, we can be proactive where our destiny is unfolding. And we can be blessed and successful in life. I don't know where you are in your life today. I don't know what kind of issues you're dealing with. And we all go through things. Let me make that very clear. But it is God's will for you to be blessed in your life. And it is God's will for you to successfully live out the divine destiny that he has designed for you. May I hear an amen? So don't let anyone sit here and think, well, it must be God's will for me to be uh, poor, needy. Uh, I, I can't do anything. I can't find a job. I have no way to educate my children. I have no way to support my family. I, I'm just stuck and there's nothing I can do about it. No, God has a divine destiny for you, and that's not it. God's divine destiny for you is to be blessed and successful in your life. Hallelujah. Let me read a scripture to you, church, that is the goal of every Christian. As we endeavor to live our lives for Christ, here is the center. This is... In other words, what we're endeavoring to achieve. And it's Mark chapter 12. Let's look at Mark chapter 12. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, your life, and with all your mind, thought, and understanding, and with all your strength. This is the second you shall unselfishly love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. So church, we put these scriptures at the very center of our understanding of God's will for our life, every other part of our destiny, playing instruments, singing in choir, serving in greeters, ushers, counselors, whatever teaching, mentoring, whatever part of leadership you have, we have to understand that Mark 12, 30 through, 30 through 32 is our centerpiece. This is what we're called to fulfill in our lives, that we love the Lord our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love our neighbor unselfishly. Can you say, Amen, church? So this is the goal of all our Christian living. And church, this will be in God's divine plan for our lives. This is going to be at the heart of the destiny 
that he has prepared for you to fulfill. But let me say, it's so easy to drift away from that. Can anyone agree with me that just, just takes a day or two of not attending to the things of God, not attending to the worship of God, the word of God, the love of God. And do you know you can be fussing and fighting with somebody very quickly. If you don't keep this in the center of your heart every day, you can be in strife, uh, you can do things you know you ought not to do, you can say things you know you ought not to say. It's easy for us to drift away from the love of God. And many Christians who are far from God didn't just suddenly find themselves at a distance from him, but they drifted away little by little, little by little, within seemingly innocent decisions that they make. They drift away. They turn their attention to other things and other pursuits. They brought things into their life that hindered their fellowship with God. Don't we all have to deal with that? Having things in our life that we have to keep them in their place and not let them overtake the way we spend our time. We have to put Mark 12, 30 through 32 at the heart and center of our of each and every day, actually, and not bring other things into our lives that hinder our fellowship with God. Church, you know you can get to the point that you go for days without reading the Word of God. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on that, but it is very possible. And do you still love the Lord? Yes. Are you still saved? Yes. But are you walking in close fellowship, loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? No. And that's going to begin to affect things in your life. And pretty soon... Our desires are more worldly than godly. Hallelujah. Is that true, Pastor Davies? Our desires can, in fairly short order, become more desires for the things in the world than for the presence of God, for the Word of God, and so forth. And you know, I've even had... Uh, People say to me, and things in the world can be fun, and I'm not saying don't have fun. Really, church, I'm not saying don't have fun. Christians should have more fun than anybody. I, I'm really telling you the truth. Christians, I mean, you know, we have fun, and we're not even drinking or smoking anything. Are you with me? There's no hangover when Christians have fun. So, yes, we're only drinking water. <laughs> Pastor Davies said he's only drinking water. Hallelujah. But church, you, you get to my point. And, and I've actually had people say to me, Pastor, 
I want to find out. I want to discover what's out there. Church, believe me, you don't want to discover what's out there. It's called killing, stealing, and destroying. Are you with me? And you don't want to put your foot into that. So what happens? We're discovering what's out there. We're still saved, but we're not loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what is happening is our close connection with him is being weakened. His voice grows dim. We have this sense of, sadness on the inside of our heart. There's a sense of heaviness that comes inside of our heart. And no drug or alcohol or, I don't know, anything you watch or anything you do can deal with that sadness. It might help you temporarily forget it, but it cannot take that sense of sadness and heaviness away because the only way for that to go is for your connection with the Lord to be restored. Can you say amen? Church, it's easy for any of us to drift. Now, let's talk about time. God doesn't dwell in time. He dwells in eternity. That's a really big deal, church. He doesn't dwell in time. We do. But he dwells in eternity. However, he designed time for mankind. Days, nights, weeks, months, years, seasons are designed. He designed time to work for mankind and to nurture his purposes for everything he has made. So God designed time, although he doesn't live in time. He has designed time for his purposes. Now you need to stop and think about that. Because a lot of people don't realize that God has anything to do with time. He has set specific days, hours, and season for the fulfillment of his redemptive purposes for mankind, that is, for our life. In other words, we are saved. Remember, I've taught this before. We are saved from the penalty of sin, which is hell and eternal punishment. We've been saved from the penalty. But God is still working his redemptive purposes in our life because we are still being saved from the power of sin. That sin may not have power over the life that we live upon earth. So he set specific days and times and seasons for his redemptive purposes for your life and for my life and for the unfolding of his eternal plan throughout every generation. God has an eternal plan for your life and he has submitted that eternal plan to time. 
There is time. There is a time and a season for every divine purpose that God has ordained for you. But church, for his divine purposes to come forth, we have to be connected to his timing. For his eternal purposes to come forth, his eternal plans for your life, we have to be connected to God's timing. Selah. Ecclesiastes 3, it's actually verse 1 through 8, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. Just the first couple of verses. To everything, there is a season. And, let's see, yeah, and a time. Notice that word time. To everything, there is a season. Now, we're talking about God's eternal purposes. And a time to every purpose under heaven. But do you know a lot of people aren't paying attention to God's seasons. And they have no idea of God's time. Are you with me, church? A time to be born. And a time to die. I'm, this, I'm just going to read a little more. A time to plant. And a time to pluck up that which is planted. God created time. And he operates by laws and principles within time. Why does he do that? It's for our sake. It's for our sake. That he has submitted his purposes in time. He lays out principles that govern life and only as we learn these principles can we be blessed uh, as he desires to bless us. God, but here's the key, God uses time to unfold his eternal purposes. Have you read the phrase in the Bible in the fullness of time. Such and such came forth. In the fullness of time. This is very important. The psalmist said in Psalm 31, 15, My times are in thy hand. Psalm 31, 15. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies, and from them that persecute me. Psalm 105 and verse 19, I've always loved this verse about Joseph. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. There is a time. Remember the dream when Joseph told his brothers that the sun, moon, and stars bowed down before him and the sheaves bowed down before him and God was showing him the future. But until that time for the word of the Lord to come to pass, uh, the word of the Lord tested him. Hallelujah. We need to understand that the infinite, eternal God 
has willingly submitted his plan for our redemption to the limitation of the time element in which mankind must function. And church, this is because of his great love for us. So we need to learn God's timing. We need to learn how God views time. How God has situated his plan within time. So God has a calendar. Why does God have a calendar? Because he submitted his eternal purposes to time. Hallelujah. It's not the world's calendar. The one we live by in the world is called the Gregorian calendar. But church, there have been so many calendars throughout the ages. And you, you know, whatever calendar you live by shows what God you serve. Whatever calendar reference the frame of time that you go by shows what God you serve. In other words, there's a Hindu calendar. There's a Buddhist calendar. There's a Mayan calendar. There's an Aztec calendar. There's a Mesopotamian calendar. There are many calendars in the world. And in our generation, <clears throat> we, as far as the natural is concerned, we live under the Gregorian calendar. But let me tell you a little bit about the Gregorian calendar. Uh, let, let me say this about calendars. Calendars indicate how your time is ordered. What's the purpose of a calendar? It is to order your time. So calendars... <clears throat> Whatever calendar you live by tells us how your time is ordered. But see, we're getting revelation about time. That God has submitted his divine purposes for your life to time. So the calendar you live by is going to indicate your recognition of God's purposes and then how you're going to respond in faith to his purposes. How a calendar is how your time is ordered. Do you recognize God's calendar? And it's through his calendar that he releases his purpose. Pastor Davies, it's, it's not through the Aztec calendar or the Hindu calendar or the Mesopotamian calendar or the Buddhist calendar that God's purposes are released. 
The Gregorian calendar, in fact, the one we, uh, the world at large, especially in the West, but it's not every nation, and in Africa and in many nations, we go by the Gregorian calendar. It was created in 1582. 1582, guys, some hundreds of years ago, by Pope Gregory XIII. So this comes out of our Gentile forefathers. Are you with me? You're not going to find this one in the Bible, church. It wasn't until 1752 that England adopted it. 1752. Until then, they went by the Julian calendar. After Julius Caesar. Are you with me, church? See, this is Gentile doesn't take into account the purposes of God. So you can see that there has been confusion and disagreement in the world about calendars. But God's calendar, let me tell you, deals with his purposes. God's calendar deals with your eternal destiny. God's calendar deals with the cycles of life and it is intended, church, to bring us out of cycles of destruction. Every time we go through Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, God is endeavoring to bring wisdom and revelation that we might come out of cycles of destruction and into cycles of blessing. The enemy wants us to live our lives in cycles of destruction. You know, depressed, angry, mad, fussing, fighting, can't pay our bills, sick, weak, all, all the destruction. But every, And every one of us, church, without exception, I know, have been raised in families that have issues. No one needs. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands. Does your family have issues? Because I know in your generations, you've, you've had issues. Yeah. And you know, those same cycles, even after we're born again, they want to keep operating in our lives. And so we're born again, but our father was an alcoholic. And our grandfather was an alcoholic. And even our grandmother was an alcoholic and so on and so forth. That wants to continue to control your life. Whatever the issue, all of us have family issues. I'll, I'll tell you one of the main things that will keep you in a, a cycle of destruction is false religion. Uh, tampering with the occult, being involved in witchcraft. In America, we call it the occult. And do you know my family did that? My mother, I can remember when I was a young girl, she would have books in the house uh, by, this, this was an occult man. 
I don't know much about him, but his name was Edgar Casey. And she would read him, and she would read this woman. She was called herself a prophetess, Jean. I, I forget her name. But my mother did that. Y'all, even this morning, before I got up here to speak this to you, I've done this before, but I took authority over every spirit of occultism from the demonic realm that has touched my family line. I took authority over it, and I rebuked the fire out of it. Do you understand me? Because that old thing can try to come back into your life and bring you back into cycles of destruction. Are you with me? And my heritage is Irish. And so we're known in uh, football circles and so forth as the fighting Irish. And that's because the Irish like to fight, you know. And so I, I'm talking about I've stood, I broke curses of uh, anger and uh, curses of fighting. That was not my temperament. But still, you know, I had a quiet, reserved temperament growing up. But still, that's in my family line. And I don't want it messing with my life. Can I hear an amen? So the enemy has a plan to always have you living in cycles of destruction. But God has a plan to continually bring us out of destruction and into his blessing. That's why I'm saying, however you're living today, you don't have to live that way in the future. God has a plan. It's an eternal plan. Every one of us, church, can make decisions to come out of a history of problems, of addiction, of, of destructive attitudes, and so forth and so on. God wants us to live in cycles of sowing and reaping, hallelujah, of growth and blessing and increase, of favor and victory. Everyone say victory. God has victory for you right now where it looks like there's something you can't handle in your life. God has victory for you. Right now, where it looks like a problem is overcoming your life, God has victory for you. Right now, where it looks like you don't have a way out, you don't have an answer to the issue that you're facing, I'm telling you, God has victory for you. Hallelujah. And this comes through the cycles that we enter into God that keep taking us in to new, higher levels of his goodness and his power. Church, think about this. At Jericho, the children were preparing to go into the promised land. God is preparing the church right now to, to go in to new levels of his goodness and his power, but it does take preparation. So in uh, Joshua 6, they're preparing to go into the promised land. And let's just briefly read three scriptures, verses 3 through 5. God gives Joshua instructions. You shall march around the city 
all you men of war, you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. So church, for six days, they were going to march around Jericho, which was a stronghold in the promised land. It was a city of war where the best warriors in the promised land were. And the children had to go through Jericho to get into the promised land. And so they were to go around Jericho for six days, not saying a thing. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. What was God trying to do? Trying to bring them out of the cycles of destruction that they experienced in the wilderness where they kept going around and around the same mountain for 40 years, church. It is possible to live your life, your whole life, and you're dealing with the same issues time and time and time again. That's because the enemy has you in a cycle of destruction. But what is God trying to do in Jericho? He's trying to bring them into the promised land so they can experience cycles of blessing. God has cycles of blessing for you, but they have to be unlocked through obedience. They're not automatic. So God gave us the yearly moeds, Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles. Number one, that we may deepen our walk with him. Draw close to him. Renew our commitment to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two, to break the power of the enemy that has been warring against us. So he wants us to draw near to him during the Moeds. He wants to break destructive power of the enemy in our life. And number three, God wants to release his power for us to prosper. So there is purpose in the Moeds. These are not just Jewish holidays, but God calls them his divine appointments, a time, a set time to meet with his people because he wants to accomplish specific spiritual transactions in your life and mine. Hallelujah. So the Moeds were originally taught to the Jews because they were the only people that were called the people of God. But the blessing of the Moed is for whosoever will observe the feast. And that certainly includes us. Church, the Father wants us to experience joy during the Moeds. 
that is so major with the Father, that we not approach a biblical feast feeling like, oh, I have to do this. I feel like I'm under the law. I feel like I'm obligated. Oh, I'm going to participate, but my heart's really not in it. No, the whole purpose of a feast is joy. How does that joy come when we have understanding that God is willing to sovereignly, mightily work his divine purposes for us in time? And he has set a time to work supernaturally in the lives of his people. So, number one, boy, God wants us to experience joy. Why? Because we're going to experience change. Because because the power of the enemy is going to be broken in our life. And because the power of God is going to be released. So he wants us to meet with him joyfully. Secondly, he wants us to allow him to break the power of the enemy. Church, don't hold on to things that are proving destructive for your life. Don't hold on to those things. Don't love the things of the world that are not benefiting you. No, it's God who wants to benefit you and do you good. And God wants to break that oppression off of your life. And number three, God wants uh, to lead us into a fresh experience of his blessing. I'm not going to ask if it's been a long time since you've experienced the blessing of God, but I want to say God wants you to have a fresh experience of his blessing. And for you to say, wow, God just did something amazing for me. God just did something wonderful for me. I can tell you, God wants you to experience his blessing afresh. So, church, we come into... um, We've been through Passover. Passover has three moeds. We've been through Pentecost. So those are the spring feasts. And uh, we have come into the fall feast of tabernacle. And this happens in September and October. And the feast of tabernacles is a celebration of the glory of God. Passover's been fulfilled. Pentecost has been fulfilled. Feast of Tabernacles has yet to be fulfilled. And God wants us to know that we have his glory now, yes, but there is greater glory in the future. And church, when Israel was in the wilderness, God looked down and saw his people after they had been delivered out of Egypt He saw them in the wilderness and that they were dwelling in temporary dwellings because they would have to pick up those dwellings, little temporary shelters, and move when the cloud moved. And so God said, make me a tabernacle and I will come and dwell with you. Understand the heart of God 
is that he wants to be close to you. He wants to be close to his people. In fact, he wants to be so close that he wants to live on the inside of his people. So Moses built the Father, the Lord, a tabernacle, and God's glory came down and visibly manifested. There was the visible manifestation of the glory of God as God, that, that's the purpose of celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. God was a pillar of fire by night, and he was a cloud by day. He visibly manifested himself to his people. Do you know God doesn't change? He wants to visibly manifest himself to you, that you may know that he is with you. There are visible miracles God has for us during the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me even say God has notable miracles for you if you will believe him for it. Stick up your bony finger and point to the person sitting beside you and say, God has notable miracles for you. Ask the person on the other side, do you need a miracle? Church, I believe every one of us would say, yes, 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 I need a miracle. I tell you, we're in a miracle season. And God has miracles for you. He has supernatural experiences for you. Make up your mind. I'm drawing near to God. I, I'm not interested in going and finding what's out there. No, what I want to know is God. I want to know him better. I want to draw near to him. And church, God has miracles for you. He manifested himself to his people in the wilderness and he desires to manifest himself to you. Now, there is a thing that is required and that is that you desire God's presence. What are the desires of your heart? It is required that you desire him. He's, he's not going to come and, and, and do marvelous and great things and you don't have any time for him you don't have any desire for him but when your heart desires to draw near to him what does the bible say i will draw near to you so do we as god's people desire his presence are we humbling ourselves and yielding our hearts to him? Are, are we people who love to worship him and, and love to draw near to him? Psalm 42 and verse 1 in the Amplified says, as the deer pants longingly for the water brooks, so my soul pants longingly for you, O oh God. Church, let me ask you, is that true of you? Is that true of you? Or do other Things occupy your heart to such an extent that you would much rather do other things than read the Word of God and walk the floor and worship Him, sing a song to Him. And, you know, most every day I put on Sinatch. 
and I, I listen to Waymaker, or I listen to her sing Rejoice, and I sing right along with her. Now, so far, Martin has not asked me to do a solo. I've never been asked to sing in church, but I do sing at home. Hallelujah. I hope you're singing at home. Yes. What, what are you doing? Well, you're loving the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So my soul pants longingly for you, O Lord. Church, there are three Moeds during the Feast of Tabernacles. Two are past. But let me briefly mention them. The uh, Feast of Trumpets is, uh, that signifies actually the rapture of the church. The trump will sound and the will be caught up with him in the air. The dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. It's called the rapture. But what the Feast of Trumpets does, we didn't have anyone blow the trumpet this year. We've had, we've had, I think that is challenging. If you've not been raised blowing a ram's horn, it can be challenging. But anyone who wants to take up that challenge, we have at least two ram's horns and we will happily let you practice. But the Feast of Trumpets is a wake-up call. Wake up. Pay attention to the direction your life is taking. The Feast of Trumpets, it calls us, be alert. We're going into a new year. Be alert. God has things he wants to say. And he has new revelation to reveal. We need to be aware, church, we're entering a new season. Now, it's possible you can stay in the same old cycle and you say, well, I can't tell any difference. I can't tell anything's changing. You know, you can, you can choose to stay in, stay in cycles of destruction. But the Feast of Trumpets is to wake God's people up, call us to alertness, and be aware we're entering a new season. And then the second moed of the Feast of Tabernacles was this past week, the 8th and 9th, and it's called the Day of Atonement. And it's a day, church, to examine ourselves. Whether or not we're in faith, whether or not we're loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, whether or not we're living our lives for God, that's the day of atonement. And then this coming, we're actually in it starting this Sunday through next Sunday is called the Feast of Tabernacles. All three feasts make up the Feast of Tabernacles, but this week we're in the Feast of Tabernacles and it's a, a time to meditate on the glory. Ask ourselves the question, Am I experiencing the glory of God in my life? Do I hear from God? Am I aware of his presence? God wants us to experience 
his glory. So this is a time to take the presence of God very seriously. Jeremiah 29 and verses 12 through 13, for those who are seeking God's presence, we seek his glory above any other thing. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, then when this is your heart to seek God's glory, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is a wonderful scripture for the Feast of Tabernacles. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Church, I want to encourage you in this coming week, open up your heart to God. Praise Him. Spend time. Just, just go to a private place. Lift your hands. And just begin to worship Him and bless Him and praise Him. Open your heart this week to praise and meditation. Church, secondly, ask God to reveal old cycles of destruction in your life. Ask God, Father, will you please show me old cycles of destruction that keep me in defeat in this area of my life? I, I need to recognize, is it my mouth? Church, we're justified or condemned by every word of our mouth. Is it my mouth? Is it an attitude in my heart that is off? Is my heart, Father, where in my heart do I need to make adjustments? So this coming week, praise him and read his word. Ask God to reveal old cycles of destruction that you may be trapped in. Is it debt? Is it some kind of sin? Is it selfishness? Some kind of oppression? Thirdly, ask him to reveal strategies to you for freedom. Ask him, Lord, show me how to come out of this cycle of defeat and walk in freedom, in a cycle of life and blessing. Church, let me give you a few things. I mean, God will speak to you specifically, but do you know I think so often we find ourselves in cycles of destruction because of lack of gratitude, lack of thanksgiving. We don't spend time in thanksgiving before God. I think this is a major area every one of us as believers need to look at. Am I of a grateful heart, a thankful heart? Do I spend time daily not asking God for something, but thanking him for everything he's done for me? Do I recognize his goodness or do I spend all my day complaining? 
that I don't have this and I don't have that. And I, God, I ask you to do that and you've not done it yet. You know, we can have a heart full of complaint even toward God, much less toward one another. This can be a major reason for captivity. Lack of thanksgiving. I just want to share that as a possibility. Maybe there's someone here who would say, nope, that's not me. But I imagine there are a number that would say, yes, I don't spend enough time in thanksgiving and praise. And then let me ask you, church, are you praying in other tongues? Do you spend time praying in other tongues? I don't care if it's five minutes, ten minutes. Are you taking time daily to pray in other tongues? Praying in other tongues ushers us into the supernatural. And I'll tell you, the devil doesn't like to stick around when you're praying in other tongues. This, this is a major key to coming out of cycles of defeat, praying in other tongues. Perhaps the Lord would speak to you about your giving. Church, let me ask you, are you tithing? This is so critical to the devourer being rebuked in your life. This is so critical. to It's foundational to prosperity and favor. It's foundational to favor. Church, another thing is your relationships. Is there a friendship in your life that is unhealthy? These are areas that we can ask the Lord. Reveal strategies of freedom so that I can come out of cycles of defeat and into cycles of blessing. Church, can you say amen? Let me um, give you a three repentance scriptures. Repentance is always necessary for preparation. Coming out of old before you come into the new. So repentance is essential for God's strategies of blessing and favor to be fulfilled in our life. Psalm 32, I'm not going to read it for you, but I've read it, read it, go through it with your heart open to God. There are prayers, particular verses in Psalm 32 that are very very important. Let's look at Psalm 103 and verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Churches, we repent of our sin. Now, I know we're saved from sin eternally. But see, over here, we're living our life. We're capable of sin in this life. And 1 John 1, 9, did I give you 1 John 1, 9? says, if we freely admit our sins, when his light uncovers them, 
he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? Church, unrighteousness is the sin that I don't know about yet. Certain things I'm doing or saying or thinking or I have in my heart have not yet been revealed to me as sin, and it's called unrighteousness. Now, once the light uncovers them, it becomes sin. Until the light uncovers them, it's under the category of righteousness. So when I confess my sin, Lord, I've not been faithful to read your word. Forgive me. I've been sleeping in late. I've let other things crowd out my time in your word. Forgive me. I've not been putting you first place. God forgives you and cleanses you of unrighteousness. Church, can you say Amen. Isn't he good? Don't we serve a good God? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Another psalm that is very good as we are preparing our hearts for more of the glory, for new things in this 5780 that we've entered into, is Psalm 51. I'm not going to read it, but David had committed sin with Bathsheba. And he'd committed adultery. It had Uriah killed. And so he prayed when the prophet Nathan came to David. And David was convicted of sin. And he fell on his face. And Psalm 51 was the psalm of his repentance. Read that this week. Pray your way through it this week. And then let me read Psalm 130. And, sorry, 139. And verses 23 through 24 to me. This is a very good repentance scripture. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we're inviting God to search our hearts and reveal any way that there is an offensive way that we're, we're offending in the kingdom of God. Church, let me suggest consider, be, be genuine about asking this. Have a piece of paper and write down the issues that God's giving you to repent of. Write down the issues I've not been spending time in your word. Write that down. Maybe he would say, you have a friend who is a bad influence on you. Write that down. Maybe he would say, you've been lying. Write that down. Whatever the Lord wants to deal with you about, write that down. Pray out these scriptures. Confess your sins. Renounce them. Say, Lord, I know that's not right. And, and with your help, I'll not do that again. <clears throat> I repent of that. And when we come into agreement with God about sin, church, he cleanses us of that sin. We apply 
the blood of Jesus, then apply. A after you've confessed that sin, apply the blood of Jesus to your life. Cleanse me. Wash me by your blood, Father. Cleanse me thoroughly of this sin. In the name of Jesus. I want my heart to be pure before you. Church, I can't put all the words in your mouth, but I'm giving you principles. Then after you've applied the blood of Jesus and the power of that sin has been removed, the guilt has been removed, tear up that piece of paper because you are forgiven. Hallelujah. This is part of preparation for the glory, the Feast of Tabernacles is about the glory. Church, it's time to shift out of old cycles of destruction into new cycles of revelation, of blessing, of favor. Can you say amen to the glory of God? Hallelujah. I sense the words of the Spirit saying this manner. That's why I want my church strong. That's why I want my people strong. That's why I want my people separated from the world, that they may be strong to lay hold of my purposes, to lay hold of my promises, that they may stand strong against the enemy and place him where he belongs, under he, under your feet, and see your family members coming into the kingdom of God. Oh, don't settle just for your family members. Go out, Father, to your neighbors, to the people that I've called you to reach out to. Or you say like, I don't have all that. How will I know that I'm called to reach out to people with the love of God? Pay attention to the people that I bring to you. You see, it will begin through your faithfulness in reaching out to the people that are around you. If you pay attention to my spirit, I will speak to you and you will bring in harvest into the kingdom of God. And the more you see them coming into the kingdom of God, the more your joy is increasing. My joy in you. My joy in you. And this joy shall be your strength to lift you up into another level of the understanding of my word. So you see, my purposes is about, about souls, 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 harvest, harvest. So if you take up, you take upon yourself my, my heart, you will know what I feel concerning souls, that I shed my own blood to bring them into my kingdom and become my sons and daughters. You have the ability to do so. You have my spirit living inside of you. Look up to me. Look up to what I have done even in your life. And much thanksgiving will be coming out of your life to the glory and honor of my name. Glory. For you must receive the supernatural work I desire to do in your lives. You cannot just hear and see it accomplished. There must be a willingness in your own heart that says, I receive the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. 
Set me free, Lord, to walk in your glory, to walk in your ways, to walk in your will, and to be a light in my generation. For it is possible to be a child of God and yet be a stumbling block to others because you have not allowed my spirit to separate you unto myself. For to walk in my glory, there must be a separation. To walk in my my glory, there must be a dedication. And to walk in my glory, there must be a comprehension of my love. So understand this. I love you. I have demonstrated my love to you. And now I'm asking you, receive my love. Let my love work in your heart and your mind. Receive my love as your first love. Receive my love and great wonders will happen in your life, saith the Lord.